Team, this was my first solo podcast. I was in Club La Santa in Lanzarote. I had four days in the sunshine, focusing on my fitness and training and everything else. And I just thought it was a great opportunity to do my first ever solo podcast where I answered the questions that you all sent in. Thank you so much for that. It takes me about 20 minutes, I reckon, to warm up because it is a new experience. And at the start, I was very self-conscious walking around the resort, but I found a quiet, nice little corner overlooking the sea and had a great little chat with myself that I hope you will enjoy. So yeah, send me your feedback, let me know what you think and enjoy my little ramble about all those various bits and bobs that you sent me. Toodaloo. Oh, welcome to The Podcast with your host, Lauren... <coughs> Sorry, something in my throat. Oh, that's better. Yes, welcome to my podcast, Walk with Lawrence, the podcast where I walk and talk with some wonderful human beings. Some of them will be my friends. Some of them will be people I've just met. Either way, it's going to be a scrumptiously delightful conversation that I hope you get a lot from. I hope you have some laughs. I hope you have some tears. A whole range of emotions. Either way, I hope you enjoy it. And I love you very much. And thank you very much. Here's the podcast. Quite a big moment, this, people, because this is my first ever solo Walk With Lawrence podcast episode. And I'm slightly nervous because I've got to keep my own company for the next 30, 40 minutes. And it is hard having a conversation with yourself, especially when you are doing it walking around a fitness and sports resort, which is what I'll be doing because I've been staying in Club La Santa in Lanzarote for the last four days. I catch a flight home in the next, well, in four hours time, and I really wanted to make sure that I, I broke the duck, that I uh, cracked my solo podcast virginity whilst I was out here. And so yesterday, I popped up a story on my Instagram account asking you guys for a range of questions or themes for me to discuss. I've got about 30 replies that I'm going to try and get through today which is going to be tricky because some of them actually are great topics great subjects great questions and they'll probably require a whole episode on its own to get through and even then we won't feel like we have done them justice because they are big topics but I'm going to do my best I'm going to do my absolute best I'm in the flat now which is why it sounds a little bit echoey I'm just going to walk around make sure that I've got everything and then I'm going to take you for a little walk around the Santa and uh, yeah, I mean, we're on the coast, we're on the island, obviously, so it'll be a little bit windy, but there are no planes going overhead, which is the bane of my outdoor walking with Lawrence podcast life. Um, but we should be okay. So I just pop my sunglasses on here, do a quick little whip around the flat. Um, checking that, does anyone else do this? I'm just so OCD. I, have to, I know the taps are off, but I still have to check them twice. Okay, that tap is off, that's fine. And that tap is off. Okay, cool. I'm gonna grab my card, key card, key card, and I'm going to leave the flat now. So now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm out of the safety of my own flat. That was the door closing, and I'm out into the wild now. That is the public domain. So uh, people might well come into contact with me and if they do I can only apologise because this is authentic, this is real. I'm actually staying on the top of a turret so right now I'm walking down the stairs to the turret. Um, it's a great view at the top but I've got a couple of flights of stairs to go down and when I get to the bottom I'm going to tackle 
the first question stroke theme stroke reply that I was sent by you guys. Okay, so actually the first one that you sent me was just a smiley face, um, which is lovely. I'll take that. Um, oh, it's just starting to rain a little bit. I think I'll go stay indoors. Um, as in stay in the complex, stay walking around, but there's like covered sections. Um, second one that you guys have sent to me, you should eat gofio for breakfast. Spelt G-O-F-I-O. What's gofio? I have no idea. Uh, anyway, nice easy start. I'll rattle through those. Third question. Um, nutrition slash cutting versus bulking slash calorie tracking now um, I, I, I suppose that that's a topic um, that this person has sent in that they would like me to discuss um, now we're probably all more than used to seeing videos and kind of discussions on this topic on YouTube Instagram social media and normally they are uh, um, from the kind of bodybuilding bracket, I suppose. Um, because obviously a lot of those WBFF guys and girls, this is a huge part of their life where um, they're getting into particular aesthetic condition for, uh, to get on stage and so on. And so they're the real experts, to be honest, um, this whole topic, this whole genre. Um, for me personally, um, I'm never in a cutting stage and I'm never in a bulking stage and I never track calories. Um, that, that's not to say that I, I think it's um, something that I, I disagree with because again, with, fit, with fitness, it's each to their own, whatever uh, keeps you motivated, whatever keeps you fulfilled and ultimately happy with your training is the right style of training for you. But for me, the, these are just topics that don't really exist in my life. I know that I've sat down in classrooms and I've written, uh, written? I've read books about it, but converting the theory into practice is something which I just don't have an interest in. Um, for me personally, life is to be lived through um, enjoying food for you know, where it comes from, how you cook it, uh, the social aspects. And <clears throat> um, I tend to approach uh, nutrition in that manner I, I tend to think of myself as a foodie first and foremost and then almost a kind of a nutritional interested fitness professional second to that um, and uh, particularly as life has gone on uh, I have got more and more diluted with the science around um, nutrition and more interested in the social cultural enjoyable enjoyment aspects of food which is where I'm at right now um, so I could turn this into a podcast about cutting and bulking and calorie tracking and so on, but I just think I'm the wrong person to do it because the passion's not there for me. So apologies if that's a disappointing answer, but it's an honest and authentic answer. Um, so yeah, um, go, go and check out. There's some really great people out there for that kind of stuff, um, but sadly, I'm not one of them. Uh, the next question is favourite food on cheat day and... Again, um, this kind of runs in perfectly actually from the previous question because to, to me, cheat day doesn't exist. That's not to say that it didn't in the past. I've definitely been through that phase myself, but I again, I've evolved to a place where I'm away from that. So um, I used to, in my kind of mid to late 20s, I suppose, I used to be very strict with what I ate during the week. Um, 
I would make sure that I didn't touch any kind of high sugary foods and I, I, um, I, I didn't touch any kind of processed carbs and so on. Um, no alcohol and um, you know no dairy and I went down that route um, sort of Monday to Friday uh, and then on the weekends that I suppose that was my kind of cheat day and I definitely kind of I definitely kind of felt that it was an opportunity that I had 24 or 48 hours to really go for it with foods that I were considering as kind of naughty foods and so I went overboard and absolutely smashed it, um, ordering in loads of food, hitting the takeaways, you know. And, you know, to a certain degree, that, that stage of my life was beneficial because it gave me an understanding of how I would feel when I really kind of um, approached my diet in a certain way Monday to Friday. But ultimately, um, putting foods in different groups of good or bad um, led to this kind of binge-restrict cycle uh, which um, wasn't that great for my health long term and also probably wasn't that sustainable. And what I, what I tend to do nowadays is I've kind of got rid of any Monday to Friday rules and I eat what makes me happy. It just so happens that because I went through that chapter and I did feel the benefit of having um, that Monday to Friday diet, that nowadays I know that what makes me happy are is mainly vegetables, it's mainly... Um, well um, sort of sourced um, uh, foods that have been um, curated uh, in an artisan manner if you like so if I'm going to eat bread I like to really kind of source a, a good quality bread that makes great toast and I really enjoy it and it doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Saturday um, and the result is that I, I definitely you know on the weekend don't absolutely smash all those so-called cheat meals I, I have a far more far more consistency about my diet and my nutrition and I get to enjoy meals out during the week just as much as the weekends and on the weekends I get to be um, you know eating nourishing foods that sustain my energy levels and give me that uh, that kind of mental clarity as well as it all fits in with the exercise and the training so I think I've kind of cracked it but I did I did have to go through a number of different phases to get to this point so again I'm not saying that it's um, a bad thing to really, really uh, tighten up and give yourself those rules and regulations Monday to Friday, um, because that is a chapter that is probably necessary to go through to get to the chapter that I'm in now. But I'm just saying that your ultimate goal should, I think, try to, to be to try and get to a point in which cheat days aren't necessary because each and every day you're getting a good balanced approach to your nutrition. Um, that ultimately leaves you feeling energised, happy, and you don't miss out on the social aspects as well. Hope that makes sense. Um, so, fifth question, how, how fast can you bulk up and what is realistic and sustainable? And again, I have to apologise, I didn't write the questions in this order, this is just the order that I got asked them from you guys, so I know that there's a bit of a running theme here. And it sounds like I'm passing the buck a little bit, but I have been moving away again from terms like bulking up, um, cutting, all this kind of stuff. Um, I know that this is language that we've become accustomed to because of bodybuilding culture, which was ultimately in the 80s and 90s what made up the majority of the fitness industry. But we have moved into a place now where we've hopefully broken down those barriers and it's not an us and them culture. It's purely a case of 
your everyday person in the street, most people see the benefit in living a balanced life and they want some exercise and they want some um, sort of focus on a nourishing diet as, as much as, as everything else and the other aspects that come into it. So I know that we're kind of losing these terms a little bit, but they still are around. Um, so how fast can you bulk up? What is realistic and sustainable? Again, I will revert back to the second or third rather question that I got sent for this. And I would go to someone else for that answer. Go to a bodybuilding specialist, someone who's got the passion and the interest in bulking up um, that I certainly don't have, I'm afraid to say. Uh, but then having said that, you know, it's weird when I've, I have focused on living this kind of balanced approach and uh, doing what makes me feel happy and I haven't had aesthetic goals but the irony is um, obviously ending up on the cover of Men's Fitness magazine this year and I was like what how has that even happened and I'm just trying to sort of step back and try and figure it all out and I suppose this is the universe's way of perhaps um, confirming to me anyway that you know my my approach of um, relaxing the rules and you know, living in this balanced manner actually is, is possibly the right way forward because things like that have happened without me having a bulking or cutting approach or anything like that. None of those traditional bodybuilding methods have been relevant to me. Um, and yet, yeah, as I say, it, it, you know, from an aesthetic point of view, it seems to be doing the trick if that was my goal. I think it's probably, you know, there's no denying that everyone kind of wants to look a certain way and there's and it is one of my goals but it's probably way down the pecking order at th th third or fourth um after you know mental clarity active longevity all those kind of things which i value now um higher up um my motivation to train all right so we're going to move on to question number six and that is so about yourself and your fitness journey how does one go from journalism to being a PT. Okay, so again, very, very briefly, just to, to kind of summarise my story, um, I was a rugby player, and from the age of 15, I started playing for Wales under 16, so I was kind of um, put into an elite sporting environment there, which I was incredibly fortunate to be coached by some amazing um, S&C coaches. And, um, and then I went through to university, where I was playing rugby for Cardiff, and studying for a degree in journalism. And the goal back then was to become a full-time professional rugby player, to, to play rugby for Wales and just to have this illustrious sporting career. And then when I retired, I would have the journalism degree in the bag and that would enable me to go into sports punditry and just to travel the world covering sporting events and just living the, the, the sporting dream. Now, as we all know, life has got a funny way of kind of um, curve-balling you, just giving you slightly different um, answers to what you expected. And then my last year at university, um, my knee blew out on the rugby pitch and I had an ACL reconstruction with my meniscus and I had a year off rugby, complete, so, you know, completely sort of taken out of my, what was my thing. And then completed my degree in journalism and after um, a year of rehabilitation working with some fantastic S&C coaches, physios and so on, I really kind of established this uh, real respect and passion for this whole concept that you could modify the body, that you could turn a weakness into a strength. And so after I graduated from journalism, I went 
back to study and I moved to Bristol and I got all my personal training qualifications and started coaching people. Um, I have to admit that when I first started being a PT that I kind of thought, oh, this will be a fun career in my 20s, you know, I'll play rugby, um, sort of semi-professional, and then I will, I'll do some PT as well and I'll have a real active lifestyle in my 20s and then when I hit 30, I'll have to get a serious job and get a proper career and obviously <laughs> as things have turned out, extremely lucky that now the fitness industry and uh, as a as a profession as a vocation it's it, it is absolutely now an industry that you can carve out a full career so I, I feel very lucky to have got in there so early but it all kind of happened by a combination of just following my passions which was sport and and training and then just kind of letting the universe fill in the details after that and again these kind of heartbreaking moments back then like getting the, the blow out of my knee um it's not until you look back in hindsight and join the dots and see that perhaps it was all meant to be um, because without that injury I wouldn't have become a PT and I wouldn't be doing what I do now which I love so much and yeah the journalism still comes in because I still you know create content still write articles still contribute to newspapers magazines so it all makes sense now but there were times back in the day when I was like you know gosh this isn't working out how I planned, etc., etc. But sometimes you've just, as I say, got to hand yourself over to the university and let it fill in details for you. And I guess that's kind of what happened with me. All right. So the next question, number seven, motivation. And why is it hard being on the right path? Uh, motivation, this is, this is a big one. I think so many people have intent. So many people are actually motivated to do something, but it's the actioning out of that intent which is where people struggle. And I have to say, I com I'm completely there with you myself. My natural inclination, I think, is to be quite lazy. I have to say, you know, I need structure. I need accountability. Um, if I'm, you know, completely left to my own devices and if I wasn't accountable, and if I didn't have responsibility, I think that I would probably be the same. I think, I, you know, I, I would struggle. This is in terms of, you know, carrying out, um, carrying out things that need to be done uh, to maximise um, my, my kind of productivity and so on. But when it comes to training, actually training at the start when I was a rugby player and so on, it wasn't, my, it, it wasn't my passion. I wanted to play sport. I wanted to be on the pitch, but the training was almost a means to an end. It was like a drag. I had to do it if I wanted to be fitter, stronger, faster. And obviously that's changed nowadays. I don't play sport anymore but I've really bought in, I've emotionally bought in to the fact that I am a better human, I function better, I feel better, I perform better mentally as well as physically when I am training regularly. And so I, I've had to get to the point where I've seen both sides of it. I've seen how I am as a human if I don't train for weeks on end, months on end in some cases, and I've seen how much better life is for me personally when I do train regularly. Now, I had to get to this point through uh, experimentation, trial and error, seeing what makes me happy, what, leave, what, what creates a fulfilling life for me. And after I retired from rugby in my late 20s, even though I was a fitness professional, the accountability for training dropped off because I didn't have to turn up to, the, uh, to, to squad training and I, I didn't have that fear factor of not being fit and strong enough for the weekend. And so, I, 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 you know, I was training people in the gym, but my training really dropped off for months and I felt really, really crap. And I remember one Christmas, um, I was quite ill and I was sick and, you know, I, I couldn't quite get over it. Uh, I just 
got to this point where mentally and physically I, I sort of realised that I need to be active, I need fitness in my life and then I completely, I think it was the old classic cliche New Year's Eve, but I completely turned that around and realised because I had this emotional belief that being active and exercising and training regularly was the key for me to lead a better fulfilling life and that, that was five, six years ago that I took my training after having that little blip between retiring from rugby and this current chapter had a little blip where, where training really fell away from me um, but it was actually again that blip that almost negative experience which has sparked off this sequence of positive experiences ever since and I'll never forget it because again it's emotionally ingrained in me that experience um, how crap I felt without fitness and without uh, nourishing nutrition in my life so um, I guess in the answer motivation why is it hard um, being on the right path you have to truly believe in it and um, sadly that means sometimes you kind of almost have to hit rock bottom like like I did to come surging back up it'd be wonderful if we could skip that learning curve and go straight to actioning out the benefit but um, yeah it's just just the way it goes I think you have to reach a point with your own personal psychology where you truly know and believe that taking the actions you take on a day-to-day week-by-week basis are going to give you the best life uh, that you can have and that's what I truly believe in fitness now and it's always going to be a part of my life even if I wasn't training people even if I had some other job all of a sudden overnight that was completely non-fitness industry related I would still train Uh, I would still keep active cycle around everywhere get to the gym and, and everything else I think it's just such an important cornerstone to living a full life we have this innate desire desire as humans to move if we're sat at desks for 10 15 hours you know um, for 10 12 hours a day you know our bodies start to shut down we start to feel that downward spiral in energy and I think a lot of people struggle to get out of that funk you've almost got to sort of give yourself two weeks um, where you really have to override and dig deep mentally override any kind of uh, feelings that you may have against training or against eating well and just just chisel out two weeks to get a bit of momentum and then start riding that wave and start surfing it and then all of a sudden you start to really feel things light up um, but it's hard making that first step out of the funk into that positive action and taking positive actions tough because you've got to have a real growth mindset and it gets into quite deep um, territory when you start talking about self-management and start to strip back what makes you you and what are your strengths what are your weaknesses what are your what are your positive um, attributes what are your sort of less positive traits and how to overcome those because we all have good and um, uh, good sides to what we do that we should really seize on but we all, we all know we have areas to improve on as well somehow again stepping back from yourself emotionally this time and st- putting the emotion to one side and stepping back and looking at yourself you know what are the areas that you can improve on to get yourself to the point where you want to be and sometimes it may be that you hijack your own progress just just like i i did back in that time when i was in the funk you know what um obstacles are you giving yourself to get to where you want to be and once you've identified those then it just takes that kind of deep psychological strength to kind of overcome them when you feel them popping up so very often it's just that first step out the door to the gym after a long day at work. You know, I've been in the gym at sort of 10 p.m. 
later than that even you know I've been sort of going for runs quite late after a long day at work because I know that if I don't do that then I'm never going to get to the next level where I want to be and uh, yeah took a lot of uh, digging deep but you can get there you can absolutely get there if it was easy everyone would do it but you know these things are big rewards um, but they often take kind of big commitment at the same time as well just interrupting this episode to add in some show notes at this point I wanted to use the quote that Ben Bidwell Acker the naked professor often refers to when he says don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now so in terms of motivation you have this split second decision what do you want most don't sacrifice it for what you fleetingly want now momentarily in this moment okay back to the show gosh this is this is crazy this is only question number eight of 30 and I've already been talking for 25 minutes. I'm not sure this is going to happen. I'm going to keep going to see how it goes. Okay. Um, okay, next question is a motivation question. So I'm going to skip that as well. Number nine, um, what made you to get into the fitness industry in the first place? I think I've answered that as well. Number 10 is fatherhood and how to be a real man. Crikey. Well, obviously, we all know that there is no answer to this question. It's almost, you know, there's two, two topics in one, that fatherhood. Uh, learning curve for me every single day every single week you know I'm still only just getting to grips with myself as an individual and now have to get to grips to myself as a as a father as as being a father figure to two other humans and it's just uh, an incredible step to take and uh, it's wonderful it's just the most amazing challenge um, because you know you have to up your game you know now you have to provide for others and there's a sense of security protection it's not just about the responsibilities of yourself kind of plot, um, plodding through life and the rest of it. You've got to really, really step up to the plate, which actually I really like. Um, for me, it's given me a real um, sense of um, purpose and a real drive to be a, a father figure to them that, uh, that they can be proud of and that will give them at least the kind of life that I was given um, being brought up. I've always used my own father as a kind of goal for this. I was like, if I can give my kids what my father gave me, then I would have been successful as a father, as a parent, because I was incredibly lucky um, growing up with, with what I had, um, you know, with the support and the love that I had in my family. Um, but yeah, it's a learning curve. It is a learning curve, let me tell you. And the great thing about having kids is that every week and every month is different because they're growing, they're going through the first time of that cycle of their life. And in them doing that, you in turn as a parent are going through the first time of experiencing them as a six month old, as a seven month old, three, four, five, six, seven, into the teenagers. Every week, every month is gonna be different. You're gonna have new surprises. <laughs> landing on your lap um new kind of challenges to overcome um so yeah again with these sort of things i try not to look too far forward and just take it one step at a time and just enjoy it enjoy the process surround myself with other people who are going through similar stages in life uh, the power of conversation with other parents and sharing sharing your, your fears and your problems as much as the uh the the wonderful excitement of it all is really really key uh so yeah and and the next part, how to be a real man. I mean, what is a real man? I mean, we have these kind of traditional ideals of what a real man is, but uh, I think we all know now that that is outdated and has put far too much pressure on men to be a certain way, which has not had a beneficial effect um, for the mental health of men. Um, 
in general. I mean, I still cannot, cannot get over the stat that the biggest killer in men, the age under 45, is themselves. It's just, it's horrific. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and so, you know, we're finally now talking about these misconceptions of what a real man is. And hopefully society is taking more and more pressure off men and allowing men to be whatever they want to be. You know, men, women, gender neutral, what, what, however you see yourself. I think hopefully, hopefully now we're getting to the point where you're free to be what your deeper consciousness wants you to be. And you're not trying to conform to any external pressures and external validation because um, it's all absolute bollocks, you know. Being true to yourself, it's this extremely hard thing to do when all our, our mind is ever processing is what's going on around us, what we see around us, whether that's social media, whether it's in the mainstream media, whether it's in our, um, our immediate friendship groups, family groups, whatever it might be, pressure coming at you um, if you let it from all sorts of angles to be a certain way. The hard part is stepping away from that and being true to yourself, being true to, as I say, your deeper consciousness. And it's hard, it's so hard to do because we all find ourselves slipping and getting into positions where we feel under pressure to be a certain way. But it all comes back to this deeper connection with your true self. Um, this, is, this is where mindfulness practice is, just being able to sit and be at one with your, with your thoughts and get closer and closer to your deeper consciousness. I think these are important. Um, important practices and important skills to, to have and get to know yourself and let yourself be yourself um, and, and to me a real man yeah knows himself and allows himself to be whatever himself truly is without the desire for external validation I suppose that's what being a real man is in my in my understanding when I think of myself so yeah I hope that helps I hope that helps gosh that is a topic which I should probably do a single podcast on with uh, Ben Bidwell I think that would be a fantastic conversation to have um, okay question number 12 the importance of being in the now and not living in social media oh huge this this is a huge one um, for me personally a big part of my job my my professional life is built around social media and, and, and sharing my experiences, my sharing information on training and documenting what I'm doing. So I see social media um, as, a, as a job um, which allows me to categorize it as something separate from my day-to-day -day life experience. That being said, I definitely find myself slipping into that trap of seeing how many people have viewed, how many people have liked, how popular certain post is that I put up. Because again, we all want that external validation and it's so hard to walk away from it. Uh, but when I find myself slipping into that mode, now I think I'm at a point where I can recognize it and say, oh, okay, there's the ego trying to seek validation here. And I will step back from that and I will let it go and I will literally visualize using my very eyes what's happening in front of me in that immediate moment in time and I will, I will focus on my breathing to anchor myself and I will bring myself back in the room as it were bring myself back and see the social media as a little portal or a little vortex which is just in a little piece of metal and plastic in the room which is there to serve me I'm not a slave to it. 
and these are all things I have to keep reminding myself. If there's something, a bit of information I want to find out, I want to reference, or if I've had an intense uh, day or few hours in the, in, in the present, in the real world, then I will then use it as a bit of escapism, as a bit of a resource and a reference. The hard part is to not uh, get sucked into that vortex and be taken off on all these various different scrolling journeys that you never even intended and then you kind of come out of this trance hours later thinking what the fuck just happened why have I just spent the last hour of my of my life scrolling through random stuff that I didn't need to see um, don't get me wrong you know it's nice to scroll when you've got a little bit of escapism just as you would sit down and watch some kind of trashy TV at 9pm if you had a hard day but constant question to ask yourself is is your phone are you social media serving you uh, and are you avoiding the trap of becoming a slave to it see it as a separate entity um, because it, it is and I think this is a life skill that we're going to have to be teaching kids as well I know that more schools are bringing out forestry schools and they're getting kids to leave all the tech at home in the classroom because whilst tech is going to be a huge part of their their lives growing up we shouldn't ignore that professionally and personally it's, it's the life skills to know when to put it to one side and to step back into the real world. That's a skill that we, we cannot lose. And I do worry for, for the kids who, who are kind of growing up now because they are almost the guinea pigs. I think hopefully, you know, we'll learn, you know, hopefully that the, the mistakes won't be too impactful. Um, but any mistakes that do happen, hopefully we learn from those and we equip our kids as they grow up with the tools to differentiate and separate between real life and social media um, and to have the mental skills to do that. I think, I think mental skills and um, mindfulness, these are all topics which are going to become bigger and bigger tools to live a fulfilling life in the real world and we need to be really aware of these problems because like as always these things sneak up on us and as I said before it's not until we hit rock bottom that we have to come surging back up. Um, as I say let's, let's hope that we don't have to hit rock bottom and if and, and let's hope that any negative impacts um, are not too impactful and that we can return back to living in the here, in the now, in the real world. Because it's a beautiful place, it is an absolutely beautiful place and there's so much joy to be had. Um, but yeah, this, that's a really, really, really tricky one. Um, and again, such a great question. And it's another question perhaps for a whole episode. Question number 13. Do I have a Snapchat account? I tried it a few years ago and I couldn't figure it out actually. Um, I think I set up an account, had it for a day and I couldn't figure it out and then I didn't use it. So I don't have a Snapchat account, I'm afraid. I do have a TikTok account because one of the cool kids told me that that's where it's at, TikTok, set up account. So I set up an account a couple of weeks ago, chucked a load of videos on there and haven't touched it since. Again, I should probably, it's just so much stuff to do, isn't there? But it seems to me that Instagram seems to be my main channel of communicating the message that I want to communicate, which is one of, of fitness, leading a fulfilling life and also having some fun along the way. Um, and yeah, Instagram for me seems to be um, the one that works. And obviously now the podcast as well, which I've really enjoyed because podcasting allows me to get deeper. And I have to say, I'm doing this podcast purely from a selfish point of view. If you're, if you're, if you're still listening now, 35 minutes in and me blabbering on, well done, because this is all for my own personal benefit. I... Uh, you know, love, uh, I love uh, Instagram and the benefits that it has with bringing people together, sharing information, inspiring people, but it, it can only go so deep. It's, uh, you know, in terms of creating depth and content that really resonates and goes deep, 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 
podcast is where it's at. So for me, I, I got, I had this yearning to create deeper content and this is it hopefully. And I just feel so much better now that I'm seven or eight episodes into my podcast and still just really kind of only just starting and learning and just building that momentum. So yeah. Question number 14, anxiety, which I deal with by exercising, but then get anxious when I don't have time to. Oh, anxiety is such a tricky one. When you think you've cracked it, it comes back at you and bites you. I mean, I've, I've had kind of these uh, bouts. I mean, I consider myself like I'm, I'm getting to grips with so much and that life has to throw me highs and lows, the pressures. And I feel like I'm very aware of anxiety because I definitely feel it coursing through my veins at times. And I've gone through situations where I felt very strong, confident, really good. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, this, this um, anxiety has hit me almost you know, like a sort of anxious attack or you know, a semi-panic attack even. And uh, sometimes it happens like really random and you can just feel uh, your heart rate increasing. You can feel yourself almost losing that focus, that mental focus. Um, and it's crazy and it's just got me thinking, you know, about what is going on deep down, deeper in again our consciousness when you're not feeding your soul what it needs to get that self-expression out. Even if on the surface we think we're ticking all the right boxes in terms of taking care of anxiety, you know, we're training often, um, we're, we're meditating when we can and so on. We have to go in so deep, really, in this modern world with the amount of information, the amount of pressure that gets thrown on us to really avoid anxiety altogether is a really, really tough one. Um, and I, from my personal point of view, see myself as very much being on a journey of, uh, tra- of learning still, very much early days, learning how to cope and how to deal with a general undercurrent of anxiety that comes with just, uh, you know, your working week. And then when these massive kind of curveballs get thrown at you and you get these panic attacks or this anxiety attacks, I'm not sure what they're, they're called officially, how to deal with that. It's so tough. It's so, so very tough. Um, exercise and regular exercise, again, referencing what I chatted about earlier, is a huge part of dealing with that energy and using the, I suppose if you're going to think of stress as a negative energy, converting that negative energy into positive energy through exercise is just one of the most efficient, beneficial ways to do it. And I know doctors are even subscribing exercise to, to patients now. And if uh, you know, it's always been said, but if there was a pill that gave you the benefits of exercise, you know, that would be what, what doctors would be handing out. So exercise is such an important tool to deal with it. But you're quite right. What happens when you have a week, two weeks, a month, whatever it might be, where you're unable to exercise? How do you, how do you cope with that? It's such a tricky one. It's such a tricky one. I mean, even light exercise would count for me if you can get your knee up, um, which involves, you know, just, just getting out and moving in the morning, walking to work, whatever it might be. I know these sound like so old-fashioned, trite things to say, and they don't seem that exciting, but it's often the day-to-day seemingly mundane details that stack up over time and lead to um, greater wellness, physical and mental. Um, so just keep the body moving. If you can't properly train in the gym, which is the reality of it, keep the body moving to a certain degree. Um, and getting anxious about becoming anxious, that's very much a real thing as well. Uh, again, if you don't start to exercise for a few days and you start to feel anxious, then you start to feel anxious about that onset of anxiety, which is a crazy, crazy kind of um, cycle, um, which we can mentally uh, either uh, 
fan the flames of or step back from it and let it go. And one of the, the, the big methodologies for me of letting go is perspective. And um, this is why I like to go and look at the ocean and the waves or the mountains because it gives me a sense of perspective that all the things I, in my life, all the things I feel anxious about aren't actually that big a deal. Uh, you know, about work deadlines, about things which, when you look at the ocean, when you look at the mountains, you realize are pretty insignificant. And then perspective, when you realize that this world and this universe has been around for thousands of years, we are here for a tiny moment on the timeline. And when we're gone, no one's really gonna care about the piece of work that was meant to be handed in yesterday, all these little petty things like that. If you can somehow find that perspective and gain that perspective, you can almost sometimes feel the anxiety melt away. Um, there's a book which I bought in uh, the airport um, a year or so ago. Um, and actually, I just bought it because of the title. I've only read about a quarter of it. Um, but it's basically How Not to Give a Fuck is the title or something like that. Uh, actually, it's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Okay, back to the show. And it's quite funny because the author makes a really valid point and he's like, in your life, you've only got a certain amount of fucks to give. So choose them wisely. There's certain things, yeah, which you want to stand up and fight your corner for and things that you need to care about. But there are other things which are not worth giving a fuck about. So if you find yourself in that sort of anxious state where you're allowing all these little petty things to escalate and escalate and escalate and you're feeling yourself getting anxious, find that perspective, ask yourself, is it really worth you getting emotional about? And if it isn't, let it go. Um, <laughs> remember that, you know, we're, we're actually very small in comparison to the universe. We're here for a very short space of time. The waves will keep crashing against the rocks a long time. After we're gone, the mountains will still be standing tall and the petty little things that we allow to wind us up. No one's even going to know that they've ever existed. So yeah, perspective, perspective. But it's a tricky one. I'm still learning this. I find myself get really wound up sometimes and um, I've got to work hard on diffusing. And if you can't lift some heavy weights or burst of energy with a workout, the mental agility to relieve that pressure is definitely a life skill, but again, a life skill worth working on and worth developing. Here's another interruption. Another key point for when training isn't available as a tool for dealing with anxiety. It occurred to me after I did the show that I keep referring it to as the show. It's actually just a podcast episode. I realised that actually uh, training is a great way of dealing with the symptoms of anxiety. That's the symptoms of anxiety, but it doesn't necessarily deal with the cause itself. Perhaps that is the equation worth looking at as well. Uh, so obviously it goes without saying there are some fantastic professionals in this area that can help you deal with your mindset, your mental health, your mental wellness. So if in doubt and if you think that it's a deep rooted problem with regards to your anxiety, but when exercise isn't there to take care of the symptoms, seek professional advice on how to deal with the cause, the origin of it all. Back to the show. I'm going to skip a few questions here because I know that I'm coming up to, oh crikey, 45 minutes. Um, so a good friend, Alex Marks, PT, uh, asked the question, the language society uses versus the language 
PT uses. And I think we've got regards, I think this is a podcast episode on itself and I'm going to record an episode with Alex at some point. So I think we might approach this topic then. Um, but there's this trade-off, the concessions constantly being made between fitness professionals and their clients as to the language and the definitions of that language versus uh, the, the practical uh, kind of road or that the PT wants to, or the coach wants to walk the client down. For instance, if the client says, I want to lose weight in their first uh, conversation with their, with their coach, straight away, there's a re-education process to go through with the coach talking to the client about what losing weight actually means versus what their actual goals are, which are very often to reduce body fat and increase muscle mass, etc. Uh, which, as we all know, is nothing to do with, with weight, nothing to do with scales. But still, we, we have these kind of traditional sayings. Again, from a bygone era of fitness, 80s and 90s, where for some reason uh, weight loss became the term that we all tend to use. Um, you know, and I, I was having this chat with Alex about it, and obviously it can be uh, frustrating. They have the same conversation when, when, when clients come and say they want to tone up. And again... It's just the language, I think, that people have got used to referring to um, when trying to um, vocalise what their goals are, which are to be healthier, uh, stronger, leaner, more athletic. Uh, often, um, often goals that actually f- um, focus on or require a focus on performance functional goals rather than aesthetic goals and unhelpful terms like weight loss. Uh, I'm just touching on that because it's such a massive topic but there's a little bit of a game or cat and mouse going on very often in most gyms across the country when a client steps in and has a conversation with a PT or seeks out the uh, services of a PT and there's like a little dance and you have to sort of take your time some clients again depends and if, if you have a client who walks in who's got a growth mindset and they're really open to to absorbing and learning from you and you and you and you can profile that person pretty quickly then you can feed in uh, the terminology and therefore the actions because you know when the language comes first the actions follow you can feed that in quite early and you can get some early gains but some other clients might come in they might have a few barriers up they might um, get in that kind of self hijacking um, you know issue in terms of progress might might be there so you might have to work a bit longer and again you've got to be compassionate with this you have to um, you have to go gently and softer and slower with some people, which is absolutely fine. Um, but eventually you get there. Uh, and I think part of the skill of being a fitness professional and a PT is understanding who you've got in front of you and what is going to be the best approach to help them to break down their self-imposed barriers, to help them to upgrade the language that they are using and therefore the thoughts they're having with regards to their own fitness and training goals. Um, and, and compassion, yeah, that, that's probably the key word there. Uh, so I think that would be a really good podcast episode, Alex, for you and I to do. I know we're going to do one soon, and maybe we can slot that into it. Another question, next one, is actually from another PT friend of mine. Thanks, guys, for smuggling these questions in. And this one is from Matthew Carter, and it goes like this. Stroke, cuddle, make love, dot, dot, dot. We can only do one until the end of our days. Pick one. Right, well, Matthew, um, stroke, cuddle, make love. Uh, it's quite an easy, I had to think about it for about 10 seconds when I first saw it, but actually the answer is extremely easy. The answer is, of course, make love, because 
within the act of us making love, I will be able to stroke and I will be able to cuddle you as long, uh, along with all the other bits and bobs that come along with making love. But yes, Matthew Carter, if I was to pick one for us to do until the end of our days, it would be to make love because I've discovered a loophole in your question because that would include stroking and cuddling. Hope that makes sense. Thank you, Matthew Carter. Um, next question is a diet one. So I'm going to skip past that. Uh, question number 20, how old are you? I am 35. Question number 21 uh, was an emoji of a bag, a love heart and an ear. Strange. Anyway, uh, number 22, show us your feet. Um, with, you know, I never know if that was, if this is a perverted question, if something is lost in translation, because I do have um, a number of followers, uh, English isn't the first language, and maybe they're trying to ask something about the dietary or my walking or running gait, or it could just be a fully blown fetish. Uh, I think actually yesterday I was on the sun lounger here in Club La Santa, and I did one of those kind of little videos where it's like legs or hot dogs, and I'm pretty sure my feet were on that, so go and have a look. They're not particularly special. You know, they're just, um, they're just feet. Anyway, uh, next question, 23. Hi, for fit's sake. And then a pizza emoji. Um, yeah, pizza, I love pizza. Uh, uh, for, for me, it has to be a proper kind of Italian pizza. I don't do Domino's, too salty. I really, I think I have sensitivity to high salt foods, you know, salt sauces or whatever. But if it's like a, if it's a nice, again, artisan style pizza, Italian pizza, I will absolutely love it. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, next question, number 24, you are so handsome. It's again, uh, the filter, the trick of the light of social media. If you met me in person, you wouldn't say that. And then number 25, it's the same person. Are you single? Um, if, if you are a true follower of my social media, you will see that I have children and family. So I'm sadly not single. Um, but, you know, how single are any of us? If you think about it, we are all part of a deeper, wider universe. We are all interconnected. We are not individuals. We're all part of something bigger and greater. Therefore, we are all one and we are all single as a whole one. Does that make sense? Okay, question number 26. Mental health and acknowledge when you're starting to struggle. Yes, so there's a tipping point, I think, with mental health. And again, I am not a, I'm not a psychologist or a mental health professional. I'm just a guy on his own journey trying to find his way and having conversations as I do it. So um, professional advice, qualified professional advice is always the way forward with this. But for me, the way I see it, there, there's a tipping point um, between mental health and when you're struggling with mental health and when it tips into mental illness. And I don't have the knowledge, qualifications or skills to understand when that point is. But I would suspect if you feel yourself reaching that tipping point, then you know, hopefully you've already, during your mental health um, journey, spoken to close friends, people that you trust, spoken to family, and, and, and vocalised what you're feeling emotionally, because that is a huge, huge initial step. But if, if you still feel yourself slipping and you're rich, reaching a tipping point into mental illness, then 100% seek out professional help. Um, professional help can come way before that. Uh, there, you know, there used to be a taboo about seeing um, a professional who you could talk to about your mental wellness and your mental state, but absolutely not anymore. I would 100% do it. In fact, I think I will do it. 
I think I'll do it. I feel like, you know, as I say, I'm on a bit of a journey. Um, my mental health, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's a struggle. But I 100% see the benefit in chatting to a professional about it. Um, so again, the best form of cure is prevention. If you can speak to someone who can help you before the need for prevention, then great. But if you find yourself reaching that tipping point, go straight to professional. Um, because if it is in the mental illness space, you need to have professional help um, who, who, who will help to overcome um, the issue. Um, because there are, there are amazing doctors um, out there who specialise in that area. Um, okay, so I'm basically coming up to 15 minutes and I'm just going to read uh, one more question, or the last one. It says, motivation would be a cracker. Um, okay, cool. So this is good. Actually, I had like a, you know, almost 30 questions, but I think a lot of them were quite similar. And again, apologies for me rabbiting on. This is my first solo podcast, so it is definitely different. Um, but reading out these questions as they were kind of listed to me on Instagram, um, it's been really interesting. And I know some of them are framed, some of them the same questions framed slightly differently. And motivation does seem to be something that has popped up a lot. And I will say the same thing, just to reiterate, it goes back to that emotional belief that you have to really, really have the emotional belief to action out the intent because we all have the intent uh, to do certain things, whether it's to, to be a better parent, like in a podcast I had with Reese Smith, or whether it's to, um, to go to the gym more, whether it's to be more active outdoors. I think a lot of people have the intent. There's no struggle there. It's, it's that first step actioning out that intent that people tend to struggle with and doing it consistently over time. A lot of it involves taking the pressure off. Again, um, when I say pressure, I mean external validation pressure, thinking that you have to be matching up to someone else's chapter 10 as they say don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 10 as the saying goes um, so getting rid of that kind of pressure but giving yourself structure and accountability in order for you to get to the point where you feel that emotional belief in why you're doing it will be beneficial and enrich your life and as I say the, the, the trick I often talk to people who've come to me um, with this problem in a professional capacity I always say to them try and get you're going to have to grind out the first two weeks. It's going to be hard, but try and get two weeks in the diary where you commit yourself to that structure and that accountability. It means you've got to get through the weekend. So, you know, no going out and getting drunk. And, you know, it does sound like quite a sort of cold turkey way to initiate it. But remember I was saying earlier about going through different chapters and I to get to the point where you have that balance and to get to the point where you don't have to impose rules on yourself, you do have to go through a period of structure. Um, it's a means to an end. Life won't always be like that and it'll be a challenge to you mentally because you have to come over, you have to overcome various uh, habits, mentally ha mental habits that you'll have. So your mind will kind of be pulling you off into different directions to where you know you want to be going. It's again staying true to your deeper self, that deeper consciousness you know wants to, to train more, wants to be more active, wants to eat more nourishing foods. To give that inner self a chance to develop that emotional belief, you've got to really grind out the first two weeks and when the mind comes and starts to pull you and that self-hijacking uh, mechanism kicks in, if you've given yourself that structure and you said, no matter what happens, I'm going to grind out this first two weeks, then you have a better chance of establishing that early momentum, of establishing that early belief, that emotional belief, that will then allow you to reach your 
groove, a point in which you're able to sustain it with balance over time, play the long game. Don't give yourself any unobtainable short-term goals. Don't stand in front of the mirror comparing your physique this week to how it looked last week. That's not what it's about. Just enjoy the process. It's like life as a whole. You know, we all kind of have this summit fever when we want these big goals. We want to reach the top of the peak, top of the peak. And that's all we're kind of focused up. We're looking up at the peak. We're missing what's happening down at our feet as we're taking step after step. Find a way to enjoy that process. Find a way to enjoy the journey. And before you know it, you've climbed 20 peaks. You're smashing it. You're living the freaking dream. All right. On that note, thank you so much for listening if you've got this far. And again, please, any feedback that you've got, let me know. It's the first solo one I've ever done. It's quite, quite a new experience for me. But hopefully... Yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Chat to you soon. Lots of love, everyone. Bye-bye. Okay, this is the outro. The podcast is now finished, but don't hang up the phone yet. I mean, turn off the phone. I mean, turn off the podcast because I have one more favour to ask you. If you liked the podcast, which presumably, if you got this far, you did, I did something right, please subscribe. Please leave a review. And most importantly, please tell all of your friends because it's just going to be so embarrassing if no one listens to this. I need you on my side to push this out into the world wide web. Please, please help. Please tell everybody, please. And thank you so much. Write a review. Have you done it yet? Have you written that review? See you next time. Bye. Have you written the review yet? Yeah.